now listening to the Pat's Pulpit Podcast. All right. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Pat's Pulpit Podcast. A happy Victory Tuesday to all of you coming off a Patriots Monday night win over the Arizona Cardinals. I am Alex Shane, here breaking down week, whatever it was, 14, I think, (laughs) in the NFL with my good buddy, Rich Hill. Rich, my good man, I don't know about you, but I, for one, am happy to see this slate of primetime games come to an end because I am exhausted from being up all night covering this thing. I am too, but it's always much better to break down a game after a victory than after a loss, Uh, especially when you're up late for it. And there's no better way to celebrate this victory in my mind than acknowledging the fact that, Alec, this is our 300th podcast together, 300. So uh, happy milestone to you. Happy milestone to you, man. What a season it's been. Bill Belichick passed George Hollis on the wins record. Devin McCourty got his 200th start. Matthew Slater got like his some milestone and here are Alec and Rich hitting number 300. <laughs> so thank you for hanging in with me. And thank you to all of our millions of listeners out there for <laughs> paying attention to all of our completely nonsensical ramblings as we've been proven wrong over and over and never, over again. never. <laughs> well, listen, man, let's get into it because this was an interesting game. Uh, obviously I think the big story this week, unfortunately, Kyler Murray looks like he's horse ACL third play of the game. That is just brutal. You never want to see that, especially a young talented quarterback like that who is obviously making his money through his legs, his athletic ability. Hopefully he gets back quickly. But that brought Colt McCoy out to face the Patriots. And what would you think overall of the performance? Yeah, I mean, I thought it was pretty okay. I mean, you know, I I think that the defense did a great job. Uh, Obviously, they uh, weren't put in the best field position from time to time. You know, that opening field goal that the Cardinals had, they only needed 21 yards to kick a 33-yard field goal. You know, after the turnover, they were already in field goal position. So, like, in reality, giving up 10 points even to a backup quarterback is a good outing, especially against a team that has, like, a lot of good players. Like, this is the quintessential Bill Belichick, like, playing the Colts in 2010 being, like, Well, of course you can learn how good your players are going against Dwight Freeney and Robert Mathis. Like you have DeAndre Hopkins, who is still a top five wide receiver in the league. Hollywood Brown, huge, like just big speed guy. Robbie Anderson, I know he's been up and down. He still has a lot of talent at receiver. Like the Patriots were going against good players and they shut them down. Like huge testament to the defense here. Maybe that's where we start because we always can finish talking about that offense. And we, I have a lot of thoughts there, but talking about this defense, uh, huge breakout game, Josh Uche, and not even breakout game, breakout quarter of the season. He has yeah. 10 sacks now. Patriots are the first team to have uh, multiple players with double-digit sacks as uh, Judon is tied for the league lead in sacks. Uche has 10 of his own. This is just a fearsome defensive front, uh, albeit against one of the weakest offensive lines you're going to face. Uh, we broke that down on our pregame podcast, just like how many injuries the Cardinals have had, how many rotational players they've had. But huge showing by this pass rush here. And they just made Colt McCoy's night out there just terrible. Uh, and so kudos to that defensive front. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, you got to be give credit where credit is due. The offensive line is terrible for the Cardinals, but this has been a real strength of the team since since day one, since week one. Uh, I, can, I I love to know the analytics behind kind of a, a, a late, I guess I'll call it like a, a mid-career, I'll call it kind of breakout season for both him and Dietrich Wise. 
Thank goodness for this Patriots defensive front because the pressure they will get on Colt McCoy, six sacks, they lost 45, almost 50 yards on, on the sacks, uh, allowed for the Patriots secondary to make up for some some talent that was missing. Obviously, Jalen Mills was out to start the game, and then Jack jo- uh, Jonathan Jones went down. It was Jack Jones. One Jack Jones. Jones. Jack Jones. Jack Jones went down. Basically, I think they had Marcus Jones on DeAndre yep. Hopkins for a long time, which is wild considering yep. how, how <laughs> even though as talented as he is, Hopkins is one of the best receivers in the league. Colt McCoy was never able to fully set. He definitely got his. They had some chunk plays that you're just going to get because they're allowed to make plays too. Um, but the defensive front was able to get pressure on Colt McCoy all game. He does not look like he was having any fun out there. But it was interesting to me, Rich, that the Colts, I mean, I guess the Cardinals, excuse me, threw as much as they did. Obviously, they were down two scores as the game went on. They had to kind of alter their offensive strategy. But James Conner was averaging like six yards a carry very mm-hmm. early on, and they weren't going to him as often as I thought they were. I really questioned their play call on fourth and two, one, whatever it is that Johanny Devai knocked down to set the field position up. Uh, I think they could have probably run it up the gut with him. What do you think it was that caused the Cardinals to go away from that that was working for them? Was it just kind of bad coaching? Was it kind of getting in their own head? Because the Patriots have really struggled against big backs since, I guess, 2018 or so. <laughs> uh, James Conner's a big dude. He's like 6'2", 230. He was getting chunk yards, that amazing touchdown he had where he carried the entire defensive line into the end zone. Uh, you think it was more a situation where the Cardinals kind of shot themselves in the foot with their play calling or the Patriots just that good against them? Yeah, I don't know, man. Like, it's one of those situations where that was like a good play call on that pass. Like, you could see Cliff Kingsbury, the head coach of the Cardinals, after the play being like, it was wide open. It was just like a bad throw by Colt McCoy. Like, you could see that he had no loft in that ball. Like, that could have been a huge game. Uh, So, like, it was a good play call. It was just poor execution. And I, I think that uh, the Patriots defensive front was doing so much work against the Cardinals. Like, yes, Connor had like a pretty big day, but he also got banged up. I think that's like worth noting weak offensive line banged up running back. And then in theory, you have just a host of wide receivers out there with Hopkins and Hollywood Brown out there together for like the second time all year. Robbie Anderson and AJ Green are your wide receiver, like three and four. Uh, Trey McBride coming out like, was like one of the top receiving tight ends in the league. And he's getting his, you know, getting his feet wet in the league as a rookie. So like you have the talent out there, you look at the Patriots team. And as you said, they were down Jalen Mills. They were down there starting, you know, quarterback two, uh, depending on how you view it. And then Jack Jones going down pretty early on. It would make sense from a strategic standpoint to try and air it out against this defense, because, you know, you're putting in Marcus Jones, Miles Bryant uh, has, been picked on in the past but he did a pretty good job out there like there was enough of a matchup game that like i could see why like the, the cardinals definitely tried to spread out the patriots a lot to try and get favorable matchups in the secondary it was just a testament to that the secondary that they were able to do such a good job out there uh and like huge kudos to to marcus jones coming out there with his interception had another pass defended seven tackles on the day like the patriots just really just rose to the occasion I will extend your kudos to just the 2022 rookie class in general. I think mm-hmm. talk about a team where you needed rookies to step up. Marcus Jones, obviously, but again, rookie running backs. We had Mondre Stevenson go down with an ankle injury, which is definitely what we're monitoring all week. He came back in. He was definitely limited, and I'm hoping it's not too serious to be able to go against the Raiders because obviously he's more or less the entire offense. So they were Jacoby Myers out. They had Ramondre Stevenson out. 
And then Devontae Parker went down with a concussion. So they were down three huge weapons early. And then Pierre Strong and Kevin Harris uh, stepped up in a, in a major, major way and ran really well. They both had their first career touchdowns. Uh, I think this is a, a really nice testament. I don't, I don't know if I'm going to go, you know, and, and sit here poo-poo on the whole Belichick can't draft clock crowd. But, you know, when a very, very banged up offense that was already struggling to move the ball to put points on the board – was able to rely on rookies the way they did. Uh, I mean, I'm not going to go as far and say Tyquan Thornton had a great game, but he had four <laughs> catches. I mean, he, he was there. He did stuff. So, I mean, it, it's great to see on both sides of the ball this season, and in general, especially last night, uh, the rookie class stepping up and making positive plays. Yeah, seriously. And I mean, like Thornton for everything and like his weakness in production, he was the number two snap getter. Like he was starting opposite Nelson Aguilar, uh, essentially once Parker went down and so Bourne remained that number three receiver. Uh, and so they used him and like for the entire offensive strategy that the Patriots had, they needed Thornton out there. Like their, their entire offense, like Mac Jones threw a career high number of screens. That's not an exaggeration. That was their entire play strategy is the fact that the Cardinals are one of the most blitz heavy uh, defenses in the entire league. Patriots have a relatively weak offensive line in the pass protection game. And so they said, all right, we're not even going to play that. We're just going to go like lead with screens as often as possible and try and make one person miss and pick up, you know, five, six, seven yards. And that's what they did the entire game. Thornton is essential to that strategy because he he is meant to just draw coverage away. Like his entire function is to make sure that the safeties can't load up wherever that screen is going to go and like at least act as a semblance of a deep threat. So the Cardinals have to play a little bit honest. And so he's out there just as a burner. He has that. Like, I don't know necessarily if that's worth a second round type of production, but like that's what Chris Hogan did. Like this is like a very standard role in the Patriots offense. And like Thornton played it. You, you can talk about it being like Nikhil Harry's like was a good blocker, which is like not necessarily as flashy as picking up a lot of yards, uh, but it's a function. And it made it so all of the other players were able to function within this offense. And uh, Alec, if you could describe this offense in like one or two words, what would you say? One or two words. <laughs> you know, I guess I, I mean this in a good way and a bad way. And those two words are this again. And because it seems to me that Matt Patricia, my, if, I had, if I was to find out for a fact that Matt Patricia read Vance Joseph's quote from earlier in the week and saying, now they run a lot of screens, it's like a defensive player calling the offense. And he's like, a lot of screens, huh? I'll show you a lot of screens. And decided to just shove that right, right down his throat. Uh, and it's like this again. It's kind of like when they're doing things well, you see it clicking, you see good things happening, and you know exactly what it is. And when it's this again, it's when they're getting sacked. They're calling draw plays on second and 12 for no gain. There's incompletions on these flat outs that are going three yards short of the sticks that wouldn't have been a first down even if they'd caught the ball. You know, it's a very predictable offense. And sometimes their predictable offenses could be a great thing. I mean, the Patriots did this in the Tom Brady era a lot where they found a formation that was working, a, a matchup that was working, a, a certain play call that was working, and they would just keep going to it. And if you don't like it, stop it. And when the Patriots, the problem with it, the, the Patriots had a really hard time adjusting to things when they weren't working in 2022. Uh, and so I think last night I saw a lot of this again in, in both the good and the bad. There were some really, really bad stretches of offense yes. in this game. Um, they're just laughably bad 
It's like a Scott's Tots episode of The Office. <laughs> um, but then, you know, they, they'd come through. They have like a beautiful Hunter Henry pass up the seam. There's good complimentary football. You know, like there's that fourth and one stop. And then they got a field goal before halftime. able to double dip uh, in the third quarter. So it's, it's such a, a frustrating thing to watch. And that you see this team and what they're capable of doing when they can put it all together. But it's just you never know what you're going to get. Almost drive to drive. And you have to kind of wonder. It's like, oh, I feel like the Patriots have like two maybe three really good offensive drives in them a game. And then in between those two or three offensive drives, you just see such bad play, be it false start penalties, be it for some reason asking Hunter Henry to block an elite edge rusher on his own. You know, these, these little screen passes that like take forever to set up and the defense blows up right away. Third and 12, they run like a toss sweep, you know, just like it's, it's really, really difficult to, to, to get a bead on, on what they're going to do week in and week out. And um, it's tough to watch, but it's also fun to watch when it's working. It works well. And it gives me hope for the future. It honestly does, especially with the rookies are playing. Yeah, totally. I mean, this is just such a bright rookie class. Like we can talk about the value of a lot of these picks and players, but like, Marcus Jones, Jack Jones, Pierre Strong, Kevin Harris, like Zappy in his couple of games, they've all been great. Cole Strange has been fine. He's been solid, especially when Andrews is there, and he's been reliable, which is, you know, availability is the most important ability out there. And so that's been huge. The biggest challenge and like the here we go again part that you mentioned uh, is where my word comes from, which is just like inconsistent, like this is an offense that like for, for being so reliant on the number of screen passes they had, they just get struggle to move the chains. And like, I I think that they're putting up points of, you know, they put up 20 points, right? Raekwon McMillan picked up a fumble, scored seven of those. So 20 points, that's still not a great day. Like, I, I think that's, I, I, there's been some positive things out there which are absolutely worth acknowledging and putting up 20 points while missing your top two running backs and top two receivers is no easy feat. So like definitely want to acknowledge that. But when you look at how their drives went, they only had three drives all day where they had three or more first downs, right? Like if if you can't get three or more first downs on a drive, that means you're not extending the drive. You're and especially if you're using the screen heavy game, like, you're not going to hit home runs that often with that. Like, and it was very apparent. And so the fact that you're leading with just like bunts, like that's the entire offense strategy is bunting the ball and like hoping that you can round the bases. The fact that they only had three drives with three or more first downs meant that like, this still wasn't a good strategy. <laughs> it worked because the Cardinals had a bottom 10 defense. It worked because uh, they they did actually eventually throw the ball down the field to Hunter Henry. But like without that, like, I mean, Pierre Strong picking up 44 yards on first and 10 is going to give them so much validation to keep with this offensive strategy, despite it just not being a good one of running it on first down every single time. It just, it feels like uh, this could be a little bit of a mirage. And I really hope that the Patriots and Matt Patricia in particular don't look too far into this and say, ah, we found it. This is how we're going to play offense for the rest of the year. Yeah, I mean, look, you're playing against a backup quarterback. You, you know, you, you've got that going. You, a couple things worked. Yeah, again, like I said, two or three offensive drives a game. And to add to your frustration, you're, you're at your top two running backs. You're down, you're down your top receiver coming in. You lose your other top receiver in the middle of the game. But you know who you still have healthy and ready to play? Those tight ends you paid all that money for two years ago. And look, Hunter Henry had a, a couple of really big plays. He had three catches, though. 
three catches and 40 of the 70 yards came on that one seam route. Johnny Smith had zero targets, I mean, zero touches on two targets. And that was it. I, I don't think there, this is like a vintage, like blitz heavy team, no receivers, no running back. Let's ship and then get tight ends into the flat. I didn't see any of that. I don't know why they can't incorporate these two tight ends into this offense, like two tight end offenses. How long has Bill Belichick been trying to have this monster two-headed tight end offense? And he's got, I think, two very competent tight ends. He's got like a blocking and a move tight end, and, he, and they, they just can't figure it out. It makes no sense to me. Again, I'm glad Henry was there. He was the biggest playmaker. He was the leading receiver. But again, if you, those are kind of a mirage as well, those three guys for seven yards, because I feel like he should have been involved a lot more. And other than that one John New Smith screen that might have worked if he'd gotten in his hands, he dropped it early in the first quarter, or was it kind of a bad throw as well? Uh, I just don't know why they can't figure out to get him. I mean, he's just one of those players that's going to go down with the Joey Galloways, the Chad Ochocincos, and the Doug Gabriels, and the, the guys that just they, they, they find success in other offensive schemes, but for whatever reason, they just can't make it work inside the Patriots offense. And maybe, I don't know if it's like time to cut bait on him, but uh, at this point, I have zero expectation for Jonathan Smith. Yeah, totally. I mean, like the Cardinals rank dead last in the league in defensive tight ends. Like this is the worst tight end defensive unit in all of football. And the Patriots just didn't capitalize on it. having five targets for their tight ends combined. Uh, when you give Nelson Aguilar, 10 targets, Thornton, five targets, Kendrick Moore felt like, why are you targeting your wide receivers so heavily? Yes. I know Marco Wilson went down. They're banged up in the secondary. So like there were other opportunities but you're not taking like actual shots at these guys when you're using the screen game so heavily. You're just trying to make a miss. And like, you can beat them. Like th this is uh, conceding the game, admitting that you don't have the pieces when you say we're just going to do the screen and we're not even going to try and beat you. Like that's what they decided is that like, it's not even worth trying to square up and try and beat you with our ability. We're just going to just try and scheme our way down the field which doesn't capitalize on the ability of these players. And like, yes, they had that big play for Hunter Henry and that was wonderful. Um, but if, if you can't capitalize on the worst tight end defense in the league with your $100 million duo, then it's probably worth changing your investment strategy and moving on for them because like clearly you're not doing it well. And like Hunter Henry is not a good blocking tight end. Like they, he was just demolished in what led to that Mac Jones interception. John Smith is like, actually a more competent blocker that's why they use him as the blocking tight end but like he's also better in space so like why aren't they giving him opportunities he's the more complete tight end but they just continue to rely on hunter henry it, it it's one where it's like they, they both can produce when given the opportunities john smith just is banished uh from being an actual receiver and that just leaves the patriots not actually trying to use that two tight end do it that they invested in yeah no it's true I and mean, again they're able to get the win a win is a win. That was a must-win game. And, you know, I'd be very curious to know if Kyler Murray had been in. What do you think, Rich? If I had to ask you, if Kyler Murray did not blow his ACL out, did the Patriots win that game if, if everything went exactly the same the way they played? Or did the Patriots lose that one? I mean, it's a different game. It's definitely a different game. Colt McCoy was able to run, like, a contained offense, but they missed the ability of Kyler Murray to just scramble on the ground. Like, you saw that one play where Colt McCoy, like, picked up the first down with his legs, like – if Murray had been out there, I feel like that type of play would have been around all day. So like the Patriots like benefited greatly from that injury. I don't know necessarily uh, how different it would have been like, okay, would that fumble return for a touchdown still have existed? 
probably like I feel like that's like uh, independent of whether or not Murray played and like that was the game changing play uh, would the Patriots have been able to stifle the Cardinals not as easily uh, and, and like the fact of the matter is that defense did an amazing job uh, the Cardinals did nothing uh, they they had three scoring drives in a row in the second quarter, then uh, turn the ball over on downs and then uh, to end that first half. And then went f- turnover on downs, fumble interception, three and out turnover on downs, turnover on downs. So this is a game where uh, the Patriots defense benefit from the aggression of the opposing team because uh, it made it look like a bigger differential than what it actually was because you know if these teams weren't as aggressive on third down like if they had tried to kick the field goal before the half that's 16 points if uh they they tried to you know they went for it again right after the half like there were like a play here a play there away from it being much closer than this and so i i do think that kyler murray could have tipped the scale in the cardinals favor um and i'm I'm just we're patriots fans are fortunate that's not what happened uh as it relates to the result of the game. Yeah, no, again, I think the Cardinals probably win this game if Murray's in there. Again, the Patriots have really struggled against big running backs. They can't tackle them. Mobile quarterback to extend the play. And for some reason, running back wheel routes. They can't stop those either. And Murray's one of the better mobile quarterbacks in the game. And it's funny, man, they were driving toward the end of the first half. And I was like, if they score a touchdown here and go up six or was it 16 to seven, this game's over. It's a nine point, it's a nine point swing. Yep. And then luckily the Patriots were able to do it. Again, this, what I like about it, again, good complimentary football. I think special teams had a good game overall. If the Patriots offense can just be competent, we've talked about it many, many times of this season. They don't need to set the world on fire. They don't need to score 50 points a game. If they can just be competent and put up like 21 to 24 points, I think the defense is enough to, to hold them. There seems to be good for one defensive touchdown a game, which is nice. Thank goodness for that. Real momentum changer. I think you can really tell the confidence was there. And I think I said, like, this is going to take a defensive touchdown to blow this game open. And lo and behold, it happened. The Patriots are now 7-6. and six. Rich Hill, they have the Raiders coming up on what was going to be the Sunday night game, but they got flexed out for the Giants-Commanders, which Oof. says everything you need to know about this offense. Uh, another must-win game, in my opinion. Vegas is really struggling. we got to monitor the injuries. Obviously, hopefully those guys who are out or went out in this game will be able to go on Sunday. Uh, you know, Vegas is one of those teams that really underperformed this season. A lot of people had them making the playoffs, and Daniels can't get it done. Early thoughts on this game. We'll break it down more on our Thursday podcast, Rich. What kind of an initial preview of what you think is expected for the Rangers out in Vegas? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a must win for the Patriots because their final three games are against the Bengals, Dolphins, and Bills, and I do not see them winning two of those games. Uh, and if they don't beat the Raiders, uh, then they're not going to hit nine wins. And you need a minimum of nine wins to make the postseason. Uh, they need this Raiders win. They need, likely need to beat the uh, the Dolphins as well. And like that will help them reach the postseason. Uh, but this is a not terrible Raiders team. Like they lost, uh, there's a stat that uh, Josh McDaniels has lost like four games where they've had a 14 or greater lead in the second half. And that's like the most ever in a single game. And so this is just like a pure like luck reason that the Raiders are doing so poorly. And then also like, that's why they made the postseason last year is that they won pretty much every single one score game and they're just losing them all this year. Uh, but you know, they've beat the chargers. They beat the Seahawks. Those are two good wins. And like, yes, they won, they beat the Broncos and the Seahawks in overtime, but like they're three and one in their, their past four games. Uh, 
Devontae Adams has been getting super involved. And uh, Josh Jacobs has been just annihilating the world on the ground, leads the league in rushing yards. Uh, he's going to be a major headache. This is a team that like has Josh McDaniels fingerprints all over it. And uh, it's also a very weak defense. Like they, they are a bottom five defense, but they are a top 10 offense. And so the Patriots uh, are kind of the inverse of that. They're a bottom 10 offense and a top 10, uh, if not top five defense. And so can the Patriots make Derek Carr look like one of those uh, non-competent quarterbacks uh, or will Derek Carr do like what Kirk Cousins did and all the other non-backups have done against the Patriots this year uh, and, and just put up 30 points? That is the big challenge. That's the big question. Does Josh McDaniels know the Patriots well enough to be able to do that? Uh, it remains to be seen. Or will the Patriots know Josh McDaniels' tricks? So I'm excited for this. I feel like this is, I mean, every week is make or break for the Patriots right now. And they need, need, need this win in order to make the postseason. Yeah, they do. My big concern is that this could be, you know, the season's kind of a lost season for the Raiders. This is a good chance for Josh. I don't think there's any bad blood, but you want to beat your old team. It's a good revenge. Stick it to the Belichick kind of game. You see it whenever assistant coaches, assistant coordinators become head coaches elsewhere. They always get up for it. This could be the Raiders' last chance to make a splash in this regular season before they're eliminated from the playoff contention. They're not making the postseason. They've been on the West Coast for two weeks now. The Patriots have. Their schedules are all messed up. They play Thursday night, Thursday night, Monday night. Now they're back on the Sunday schedule. They got flexed out. So, again, it's a lot of weird little X factors that, that could be a detriment to the Patriots and how they prepare for this game. But on paper, I think if they can build up what they did against the Cardinals, they get their guys back, uh, they should be able to pull this one out. But, again, you and I will break more about that one and next week in the NFL on our Thursday podcast. Yep, absolutely. And I, I think what is hopeful is that this is a strong defense. You have your reliable special teams play over the past three games. This offense has looked fine. They have looked, I know like it wasn't great against the bills, obviously, um, but they weren't like actively negative. That was like a weird bunch of misfortunes out there. Um, I, I feel like this is an offense that is not, going to be more than average ever like this is they i mean they're they're 10 points against the bills were obviously like not great yet on the missed field goal there it was like a very much a ball control game where they just didn't have a lot of opportunities with it um and like they started moving it a little bit better in the second half this is a team that if the patriots can be average they can make the postseason they can be first round knockout, but like hopefully they they won't look too far into <laughs> I and can just keep rebuilding for next year because I, I I feel like there is still too much talent for this offense not to be more than just average. Um, but we'll break down matchups against the Raiders later this week. Alec, I'm excited for that. Final four games of the season. Happy 300th episode. Do you have any final thoughts on week 14 of the NFL season? Happy, happy to you, man. Here's hoping we can get another two-game winning streak. Yeah, again, must-win game. Uh, I'm not overly excited to break down the last three weeks of the season. So, so let's have a nice <laughs> fun one. Awesome. Well, until next time, Alec, you have a good one. You too, buddy. See you. Later.